Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our risen and living Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The word of God which edifies and uplifts us this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, verses 31 to 44. Then he, that is Jesus, went down to Capernaum, a city of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbath. And they were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. Now in the synagogue there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon, and he cried out with a loud voice, saying, Leave us alone. What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him in their midst, he came out of him and did not hurt him. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands even the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. Now he arose from the synagogue and entered Simon's house. But Simon's wife's mother was sick with a high fever, and they made request of him concerning her. So he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and it left her, and immediately she arose and served them. Now when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases brought them to him, and he laid his hand on every one of them and healed them. And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he, rebuking them, did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. Now when it was day, he departed and went into a deserted place. And the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. But he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. So a man is sick, and he goes to visit his doctor. His doctor prescribes a certain medicine and tells him to return again in a month. A month later, the man returns and tells the doctor, your medicine didn't work. I'm still sick. Well, did you take it every day for the whole month, the doctor asked. No, says the man. I took it for two days, and it didn't do anything, so I quit. Unfortunately, we often treat God's word the way this man treated his doctor's medicine prescription, don't we? We make use of it infrequently when we feel like it and then complain that God's word doesn't really have the power and the effect on our life that God promises that it will. Our text before us this morning shows clearly that God's word does have power to change and to heal. Sometimes the effect is immediate, as we see in our text, but other times God works in our lives gradually over time. And his word must be used regularly, not just every once in a while. But either way, God's word has authority, authority to change our life. Look at verse 32 of our text. 
They were astonished at his teaching, for his word was with authority. It's easy to astonish people with fireworks or light shows or magic tricks or movies or a circus, right? It's a very difficult thing to astonish people with nothing more than words, with nothing more than a speech or a sermon, right? And yet Jesus astonishes the people, not with entertainment, but simply with his words. I do feel a little bit sorry for the the Pharisees and the rabbis of that time. I mean, here they were trying diligently, trying hard to to teach the people God's word, and no doubt uh, their members would fall asleep in church sometimes as well. It happens, right? I've done it occasionally. And then here comes Jesus, and all the people are astonished at his teaching and his sermons. That would have been kind of a hard pill to swallow, but I only feel a little sorry for them. Because instead of being jealous, they should have rejoiced, right? They should have been excited that here the kingdom of God was with power among them. And they got to witness it and hear it as well. Jesus' word has power. Verse 36 of our text. What do the people say? What a word this is, for with authority and and power he commands even the unclean spirits, and they come out. With nothing more than his word, he commands, and the demons and the diseases obey, and he changes the lives of people. We try often to change others' lives, Unfortunately, we don't try as often to change our own lives, but we try often to change the lives of others with our words, don't we? We're always trying to change our spouses with our words, trying to get them to stop doing this or to do that. We're often trying to convince our kids to change their style, their lives, their habits with our words, and all too often we get on Facebook and try and change other people's minds, convince them that our way is best with our words. But our words rarely have much of an effect on our spouses and definitely very little on Facebook. And yet here comes Jesus. With his word, the demons obey immediately. And not only the demons, but even people. Their lives are changed. The diseases are healed with a simple word. I can imagine a a wife at the time of Jesus thinking, Here I have been trying to convince my husband not to do this or not to do that his whole life, and now with a simple word, Jesus changes his life. That's because the word of Jesus has power. Our words rarely do. This is the thing that's, you know, really sad about some of the more liberal churches of our day, isn't it? Because they've given up on the idea of sin and of heaven and of salvation, And all they care about is changing the world. But even there, they give up on the Word of God. The only thing that does have the power to change the world, at least to change it for the better. Sometimes certain men (coughs) have the right words to, to change the world, but usually it's not for the better. God's Word alone can change it for the better. Therefore, Jesus says in Luke 4, 43, at the end of our text, Therefore he tells the people, I must preach the kingdom of God 
to the other cities also. It is this preaching, this word, that has the power to cast out the demons, to heal the diseases, but above all, to grant the forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And with this power, this authority, Jesus says, I must share this with others as well. Not only the other cities of Galilee in his day, but here with you as well. That same word of power is right here among you this morning. Not so much in the sermons that I give, which are, after all, not the pure word of Jesus, but the word of God is still there, the word we heard in our scripture readings and in our sermon text, and that power is with you to change your life. The sermons help us to understand and appreciate and draw our focus and our attention to it, but it's that word of God which works among you to change, to heal your diseases, to forgive your sins. This word has the authority to cast out demons, as is clearly seen and what Jesus shows us in our text. Now that's a power and authority that we may not think is that important. We may downplay the dangers of demons in our own lives. In Africa, they don't downplay that, that, that danger. In Africa, many of the churches, many of the people are very much aware of the power of demons and the dangers that they present to our life. I think I've told you before that there was one pastor in particular, I went with him out to the, the villages of Africa to share God's word, and he was preaching mainly about Jesus' power over demons. And afterwards he told me that it's very hard to convince people in Africa to, to become Christians, to come to church, to trust God's word, unless you show them how God's word has power over demons. They're very much afraid of that over there. They do, however, tend to take it a little too far in that they have a tendency to blame everything on demons. If they themselves fall into some sin or if somebody they know is doing something bad, they have a tendency to say, well, he must be possessed. I need an exorcism instead of repentance. Oh, we have a tendency towards the opposite view, don't we? We have a tendency to recognize our own failings and faults, but not so much to recognize the danger of Satan in our life. Remember what what Satan said to, to God in the book of Job? God asked Satan, where have you been? And Satan replied, oh, I've come from roaming about on the earth, walking to and fro. Satan is not less active in our day than he was in the day of Job. In fact, God's word says just the opposite. In Revelation 12, 12, God warns us that the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that his time is short. We have a tendency to dismiss or downplay the danger of demons in our life. The Africans have a tendency to downplay their own responsibility and the dangers of their own sinful flesh. But God promises us that his word has authority and power over both. Both are a danger to us, but both are conquered by Christ's word. His word casts out demons, and his word casts out our own sinful flesh as well and changes our hearts. 
Remember how Luther said in his explanation about baptism that we must drown that old man daily, daily in the waters of our baptism through the Word of God and put on the new man which lives to Christ. Satan does indeed seek to destroy us like a roaring lion, but he cannot harm us because of God's Word and His power in Christ Jesus. And our own sinful flesh and our own desires seek to drown us in sin, but our own sinful flesh cannot win because of the power of Jesus' Word which is with us. His Word, our text shows, also has authority to heal diseases. So many sick were brought to him and they were all healed. And specifically we heard in the text about him healing Peter's mother-in-law. That word of God has that same power, that same authority for us today. It also can heal our diseases just as it did for the people of Jesus' time. In James chapter 5, verses 14 to 15, God gives us a very specific and powerful promise. When he says, Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Notice that that through James, God is not ambiguous. But he says very clearly, he gives us the promise that his word will heal and save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Now, it's true that we don't always understand how God is going to heal us. Sometimes he heals us by healing us. Sometimes he heals us by letting us die, and then the disease is healed for good. And we live with him in eternity. And the Lord will raise him up. Sometimes he raises us up from the sickbed to serve him longer on this earth. Sometimes he raises us up from the sickbed to heaven. But regardless of the manner of the healing, the, God, the word of God is clear that that word will heal. And yet, what does James point us to at the end of that passage? He points us to what is far more important than the healing of earthly diseases, the healing of our soul and our spirit. If he has committed any sins, he will be forgiven. Diseases and physical problems in this life are temporary, but the salvation of our soul is forever. And God's word has power to change, to heal that soul, to give us that forgiveness of sins so that we can look forward with joy to the return of Christ and the salvation that he has promised us. Jesus' word has power. It has authority to change your life to heal your sins. Therefore, Jesus says, I must preach the kingdom to the cities of Galilee and to you also. Because that word has power. It has power to cast out demons and our own sinful flesh. It has power to heal diseases and to change our life. It has power to forgive our sins and deliver us from this earth into his eternal kingdom. Amen.